1025 It's time to talk football It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard Scottish football looks around the continent Sees Germany preparing to restart But we're still no closer to knowing when we can make a safe return The reconstruction debate is still bubbling away And we're now within a week of the EGM With clubs still waiting to see Rangers dossier of evidence against the SPFL I'm Gordon Duncan Joining me tonight is Jim Duffy and Mark Guiri Thanks uh, Gordon Duff Day 44 uh, Not the workout Day 44 uh, of, of lockdown Beautiful day uh, Outside What would we normally be doing This week Well The, the championship and, and League 1 and League 2 With a finish yeah. of the weekend This Saturday Would be The William Hill Scottish Cup final mm-hmm. We would have been getting ready uh, For that And uh, But The reality is We're in lockdown And I think all eyes are on Tomorrow Gordon Rangers We believe Will make their evidence public What they have against the SPFL And why they have called for the suspensions Of Neil Doncaster, Murdoch McLennan and Rod McKenzie So it's been a long wait More than three weeks But we reckon it's coming tomorrow And if we are to believe What we've been hearing from things coming out of Rangers Then we all expect it to be pretty explosive Yeah Jim but we're all out of sorts With the football calendar Because it now no longer matters But it's amazing that we've got here already The the lower leagues were rounded up a few weeks ago Just in case you hadn't heard Um, (laughs) And they would have finished normally At the weekend We would have been done You Mm. would have been off on your holidays Your Dumbarton Mm. players Mm. going and enjoying their their downtime But it's just shrouded in uncertainty at the moment Yeah I feel like an old movie here Like uh, Papillon You know where you just get a bit of chalk And start marking off the days as Mark says, 44 days. Um, so, and everybody, but it does, I mean, it has flown in, 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 in essence, although we thought it would drag in, you know, for, for us to, to think that there's been that length of time since, uh, so you know, I mean, since we, we started and we thought we would have been finishing the season last weekend. But yeah, I mean, the, the reality is now that for us, it's, it's a good thing in, in some aspects, Gordon, because that, that season's done, so you can only look forward. Mm-hmm. That That's done, you know, whether we agree, we disagree, whatever happens to be, it's done. So we, we have to move on. So clubs like Dumbarton and all the championship clubs in Division 1, Division 2, regardless of whether there's reconstruction of these things, have to look forward. The difficulty is, you know, what plan? It's not just a plan A and a plan B. You're mm. going to have to have a, a plan A to Z. <laughs> because yep. it is still so much work to do Particularly with this reconstruction debate Right 01419511025 That's the number to have your say tonight We're on Twitter as well At Clyde SSB uh, For once I'm not talking about Votes and yes mm. votes And no votes And spam folders And mm-hmm. uh, advances And loans And all the rest of it I, I just mean purely On a sort of football And virus Related issue with hindsight now Which is what we have Does it now look like It was the right decision Even if If people have changed Their minds on that You know To round off the lower league season Because we've passed the date That it would have finished And we're, no, we're yeah, not even close. Remotely closer no. to, to finding well, out We're still in lockdown for, From a country's point of view We're still in lockdown And, and uh, the first minister And uh, you know The prime minister Suggested that's not going to change uh, Anytime soon So yeah Listen I was You know Been on the programme And I've said Listen let's wait And wait and wait um, But you know, the, the the time has now come where I think that that decision now looks as if it was a, the sensible decision, um, and yeah, somebody like myself would have changed their opinion on that because I still, you know, if 
If the, there was the financial security there for the players, I still think we could have left it for a couple of months yet, as I keep saying. You know, could could have been could have been June, July, but as as Mark has mentioned on the program in the last couple of weeks, as each week passes, there's the, the yeah. likelihood of that happening is less and less. And just to yeah. give a give an insight into to what life's like then at, at that level, Jim, because you said a couple of weeks ago that your full squad was out of contract mm-hmm. at the end of of the the, the season. So yep. that season's now ended. So yes. as it stands. You're the manager of Dumbarton You yeah. have no players You, you don't have a squad at the moment No That's good What level of Can you do any preparation at all? Can you put You know Can you can you start that process? No but I'm currently furloughed for a start So you can't Well, well you can't yeah of course <laughs> But but even in your mind You know you can't You can't do anything because um, The players Yeah I mean All I did was I sent a, a text to all the players Thanking them for their contributions and explaining to him that there's absolutely nothing we can do at this moment in time regarding moving forward, whether it's offering him something tentatively or, or anything, because we've got no idea if and when football starts, if and when there'll be supporters, sponsorship, any finance, what you can offer. So there's no point in even just kind of like, you know, um, suggesting to the players that these things, um, because it's, it's, it's so difficult. So basically, I've just been honest with the players and also said to them, if there's any clubs, we spoke last week to Jim Goodwin, mm-hmm. and Jim Goodwin says, well, their club is actually in a position where they financially, they could actually go and offer things to players. And I've actually just been honest with the players, listen, if you do get that opportunity, then take it. <laughs> because we do not know mm-hmm. of any, we have no idea when and if and how much we would be able to do so if you've got an opportunity of a job just now and it is a job and it is finance and it is security then don't don't deny yourself it just on a, a purely human level that's something you'll have never experienced before is that is that a shame does that leave a bit of a bit of a feeling of sadness that you've not even been able to to say bye to players and you know just that, that type of thing that you would usually do yeah of course I mean normally obviously after the last game of the season you know you're going to know the players shake their hands thank them and then, and then you might have a difficult time leading up to it where some players are getting released and you're not offering them contracts and you've offered some players contracts and then between times you're looking at other players and see how you can strengthen things. But it's, it's normally a very busy time for managers, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and uh, you know, working, trying to straight away, you know, this would probably happen weeks ago, you know, for most managers planning that preparation for the new season. But nevertheless, at this moment in time, I haven't told any of the players if I, if I wasn't going to offer them anything and you can't do it face to face. And that, that to me is something I've never experienced in my life as a manager. I've always said to someone, even if it's bad news, if I'm t- speaking to Gordon, I'll say, Gordon, I'm not going to offer you anything. You might be happy, unhappy, you might be angry, all the things, but I think it's still important that the manager says to you face to face, that's not going to happen this year. And it's probably not going to happen for a number. It may have to send them a mm-hmm. letter or an email saying, listen, your contract's up. Mm-hmm. I won't be looking to invite you on for next season. But yeah. the ones that I would like to invite you, the, the, there is there is no there's there's only yeah. the, the, the matter of principle would like to have you, but no no uh, financial uh, remuneration. Yeah, uncertain times. I think we've known that for quite uh, a long time. It's oh one four one nine five one one zero two five to have your say. That was Jim Duffy, and he's joined uh, by Mark Guidi. Now I'm pleased to say we are joined in the phone at the moment by the former Scottish FA Chief Executive Stuart Reagan. Stuart, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Good evening, guys. I'm very well, thanks. Nice to uh, to come back and have a chat with you on the show. Absolutely. It's good to hear from you, Stuart. Um, I was going to say from, from the outside looking in. Now, you are on the outside looking in, but with a, a bit of knowledge about what it's like um, in the often madhouse that can be Scottish football, what do you make of everything that's going on and all the challenges we face at the moment? 
Well, I think the, the first thing is that it, it must be incredibly tough for everyone involved in football right now and indeed in, in other sports. Um, I've never seen anything quite like it. And, you know, I've listened to what you guys, you guys have had to say tonight and, you know, picked up bits and pieces that have uh, been reported on the news channels down in England as well. And everyone's in the same boat. It's just incredibly tough and many clubs just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So um, there are some really uncertain times ahead, very worrying. And, um, you know, there's going to be, I think, unfortunately, a lot of casualties at the end of it. What we keep hearing, Stuart, every every week, every day during this is that for clubs to, to make some sort of collective decision, they're going to have to put self-interest to one side. Now, on the other hand, there seems like there's a bit of an inevitability about self-interest because obviously people are going to look after... At their own club first But how much of an obstacle do you think that is at the moment? Yeah, well I've, um, I've made the comments myself this week About you know, self-interest being perhaps uh, a danger In situations where you're looking for a solution Because you know, what you need at times like this is collaboration You, know, you need everyone to come together And actually say what's, what's the solution That's in the best interests of the game you know, not just for one division or for one club, but for the game overall, right across from the professional leagues, right the way down the pyramid. And, you know, that involves bringing people to the table who, haven't, who perhaps haven't got the same degree of self-interest um, as others, um, perhaps some independent voices around that table as well to try and steer it. Um, because, you know, it's, it's natural, um, chairman chief executives of particular clubs are always going to look at what what does this mean for my particular club and when you've got relegation staring at you when you've got promotion uh, there you know it's just a uh, a whisker away you're bound to try and steer the argument down that route um but you know unfortunately if you allow that to happen you're never going to get consensus and there's always going to be um infighting so I, I just think it ha- there has to be a way of getting a group of people together, perhaps with independent voices, that say what is the best solution for Scottish football. And you know that, you know, in my opinion, has to be wider than just one division. It's got to include the, the entire game. When you look back on your time at the Scottish FA, Stuart, does that? Is that something that, that ever frustrated you? I, I know for various reasons you might not be able to give us specific examples, but when you're in a position of leadership, if you're trying to oversee clubs who've all got their own self-interest first, when you look back on it, do you feel like that, that was a frustration for you and, and something that maybe has held us back? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are always going to be times when you are the CEO, when you are the leader of an organisation where you're trying to get consensus. But consensus requires consultation. Um, it requires an opportunity for people to have a say, um, you know, for people to put their opinions forward, to put their um, their uh, amendments or their, their views. But at the end of the day, you need to make a decision and you actually need to try and actually get something over the line that might not be perfect. It might not give everything everybody wants, but it's the best that it can possibly be in that that situation or that that scenario that you're trying to deal with, you know we've um, 
we've seen, you know, numerous negotiations over the years, you know, numerous times where you've had to reach consensus on a particular topic. And, it, you know, the one word that always stands out in my mind in situations like this is, is collaboration. You know, you have to collaborate with other parties and you have to get them round the table. And, you know, it, it can be frustrating and sometimes people can be very um, uh, stubborn in their uh, opinions and attitudes towards um, consensus. But, you know, eventually uh, you can try and actually arrive at a result that, that suits the majority and, you know, people are prepared to, to support it. Stuart, hi, it's Mark Guidi. Hiya, Mark. How are you? Yeah, no bad, no bad. Thank you. Good to speak to you. Um, you. Just one question. I know a, a couple of questions to get your, your take on them. I know obviously that you were you were actively involved in the pyramid system and, uh, and allowing an avenue, a pathway for you know Lowland League stroke Highland League to, to come up and having that promotion relegation. At the moment, there is no team coming up uh, from there, no team going down unless there's reconstruction. How does that sit with you considering you were such a big uh, uh, fan of yeah. putting that in place? Yeah, I mean, it's something I, I do have a, a really strong opinion on. I'm a, a big supporter of... Um, the pyramid system um, and worked hard to try and ensure it got put in place in Scotland. And, you know, it comes back to the point, I guess, about, about self-interest. You know, where do you draw the line over what's right for the game in Scotland? You know, is it just 42 clubs or is it 42 clubs plus another 16 here and another 18 there? Is it, does it go down one step further? Now, clearly the SPFL will be looking at this through their own lens, which is their 42 clubs. But, you know, the, the pyramid system does allow for clubs to come up into the league. And if you're going to have promotion and relegation in um, the, the top divisions, then in my opinion, I would feel that, you know, you should consider that from League Two and from Highland and, and, and Lowland as well. Even if it means taking um, extra clubs into the league for a temporary period of time, you know, bringing the winners of the Highland and, Le- and Lowland League up and, and increasing the number of teams, relegating the team that's bottom and, you know, allowing some kind of temporary period so that, you know, those clubs feel as if they haven't been disadvantaged because, you know, promotion and relegation has to work in, in um, all levels of the game. You can't just pick and choose which, which bits of promotion and relegation you're going to deal with. Yeah. And on the, the vote up here as well, um, Stuart, the fact that, you know, there was, there was clubs were given a, a, a proposal, um, you know, with just two or three days to find a vote. I mean, it, it, it split the country. There's an ongoing thing um, going on about it. You know, 81% of the clubs voted it through. What was your kind of take on that from, from down south, the way that's been, been handled? Well, it's difficult, to, um, Mark. I'm, I'm not really um, up to speed with all of the detail. Clearly, uh, in England, that situation isn't reported on that widely um you know i'm aware that there's been a lot of discussion about it i'm aware that it's led to an egm being called for um i think it's next week um and i'm sure you know that's the time when the member clubs will have the chance to have their say um if there's anything um untoward that you know rangers in particular feel that they want to share then i'm sure they'll share it and you know, the members will decide what happens next. And I think it's important for everyone to remember that the SPFL is actually the clubs. You know, they are they are the SPFL. So ultimately, the clubs will decide what should happen next. And, you know, the, 
um, the clubs need to hear all of the facts. You know, there's lots of uh, reports being played out online um, in the the media, and you know, the the time for discussion is when you you have got a, an EPM, and I'm sure that's the occasion when all the facts will be presented. Just thinking, so, you know, oh, sorry, sure. Yeah. I was just saying, thinking back to your own experience, I've been heavily involved in the last significant reconstruction that that we we saw in, in the game up here. Um, get, going back to what we said about you know self interest, does that seem like a a realistic outcome this time around? And you, you mentioned you know sort of permanent measures. That's going to be a great debate, isn't it, between whether it's a, a permanent fix or or a, mm-hmm. a, or a, a temporary solution. Um, just again, just your purely personal opinion. Is it something that you think is likely to happen this time around? Um, in terms of a reconstruction, do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you know there's there's lots of different plates that are spinning right now. I mean, on the one hand, you've got the game itself and the competition, i.e., the league, and whether that can be completed or not. Um, you know, what happens to the season? What happens to promotion and relegation? And also kind of heavily wrapped up in, in that is is the safety aspect, you know, which we've not mentioned, but is fundamental for players, for workers of clubs, for fans, you know, for, for, for everybody, there has to be a safety issue. The other plate that's spinning is the business side of, of the game, i.e. the financial viability of clubs, the lack of revenue coming through from gate receipts, the lack of advertising, um, perhaps sponsorship payments, um, and that money is not coming in, but the bills still need to be paid. So there are lots of things going through the minds of club chairman uh, right now and chief executives thinking about what does the future hold for them? And I'm sure a lot of them are already planning how do they possibly navigate a way through this crisis. And they'll also be then looking at, well, what what happens to our club, let's say next season, even if we can survive through this current crisis. And, you know, part of that thinking is how do we create a solution that has got the best chance of being voted through? Because ultimately, whatever decision and whatever proposal is put on the table, it needs people to vote it through. So, you know, I can see why reconstruction is a possibility, because if you can actually increase the numbers of divisions you perhaps don't need to deal with the legal challenges of fallout from from relegation that you might get otherwise um and therefore you know you could realistically see reconstruction as a way to deal with some of those challenges and ha- it in my opinion has the potential to be voted through but it's not just the numbers that are important in my opinion i think the detail that goes behind the numbers so how many teams from which divisions how long does it last you know what's the the financial distribution and i think it's actually it's it's much easier in in the scottish system because of the the ladder payment system i.e there's a percentage payment of money that's distributed from club 1 to club 42 so it doesn't matter whether you're club 12 13 or you know 21 you're actually going to get whatever percentage the ladder distribution system says you're going to get. So it, it's potentially an, an easier solution, but that fine detail will need to be to be talked through. And then, you know, in any voting system and in, in, in any decision where you require uh, a majority to go with it, you need to present the benefits. You know, everyone needs to understand 
what's in this for me? You know, why should I vote for this? And if we think back to when the SPL and SFL merged, there was a clear presentation that actually the league was stronger as one unit, um, you know, physically stronger with 42 voices uh, as opposed to 12 and 30 separately. You know, there was the potential to work together rather than working perhaps in competition. And there was the potential to attract greater revenue into one bigger body than previously two had been able to do on their own. And, you know, when the facts were presented, they were presented in such a compelling way that, you know, the members went for it. And I think this time round, there has to be not just presentation of the negative issues, i.e. we're in a crisis, how the hell do we deal with it? But actually looking forward, how do they bounce back stronger and actually presenting something that might give them potential for the future? And if it works, you know, whilst it might, it might start out as a temporary measure, if it works, who knows, they might, you know, might end up with something that's stronger than, than, than they've had in the past. Stuart Regan, thanks a lot for joining us on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. You take care. Cheers, all the best. That was Stuart Reagan, former chief executive of the Scottish FA. Um, like I said at the beginning, from the outside looking in, but with a, a fair bit of knowledge as to what's going on at the moment. This is your chance, though, to step up to the plate. Let's hear from you. 01419511025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors, experienced players who know how to win. Talk to Thompson's.com. Jim Duffy and Mark Guidi here with me, Gordon Duncan, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Let's take a call from Patrick in Ibrox. Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? Not bad. How are you? Are you well? All right. I hope you're all well. I yeah, good Just man. A couple of quick points to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first point, I'm a Celtic man, and I know I've came to terms with we're not going to see much football here at all. But looking down England, as if I'm moving heaven and earth to play football, and just to see what's your point on that, what do you think? Money would be the obvious one, Jim. Well, yeah, but I must admit, I agree with Patrick in some aspect. I mean, obviously, listen, we're not going to get in the political aspect because everybody's got their, their views on it. But they do. I mean, we heard, um, you know, at the, the, the briefing yesterday, um, the minister saying that uh, you know it would lift pe- you know people's spirits, and sport does that, and football in general does it, and they 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 believe that that's important. Whereas up here, it seems to be you know no that that doesn't seem to get mentioned how important that is you know for for the people and for the um, you know the kind of atmosphere. Now listen, there's thousands of people needing jobs and wanting to get back to work and. You know, we're not going to list everybody, but I mean, it's so important for everybody. But I do believe that they, they seem to have a, a more of a uh, encouragement, if you want to call it that, to try and get football played down south than up mm. here. It just seems to be, well, it's going to be really difficult. Everything seems to be looking at every negative aspect of it, whereas down south, they seem to have a mind to try somewhere along the line. There's been talk of neutral grounds, mm. talk of obviously closed doors. Obviously, they've got the money for testing. That's what I was going to say. That's, 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 that's a huge part of it, though, isn't it? No, that, yeah, financially, of that's course. The part, that's the biggest part. Gordon, that's the biggest part. And even when they get tested, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're talking about actually taking full squads away. Five star hotels. Your staff, and, yeah. and, and you're there for 10, 11 yeah. weeks. Yeah. Through Covid in the tails. Yeah. So I think, to be honest, now, I've said since mm-hmm. we were laughing at the start, it's day 44 a lockdown. Mm-hmm. For the first five weeks, I said, look, do what we can, do what we can. And I look at it now and I look at the information that we've got now and I look at the seriousness of it, the, the lack of vaccine. We talked about people's lives. I, 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 
I think if anybody thinks football's coming back this season in Scotland, we're in total mm. denial. It's not coming well, back. So, and by the way, that's not that's not through a lack of effort, Patrick. That's mm. purely down to finances. Now, we're talking about the big seven hundred million TV deal they get down the road up here in Scotland. I don't it's widely known if it's if it's out there. The 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 income that comes in from a match day between turnstile and income season is four times more than what we get from television. So unless television are going to give us four times the amount they're already doing is you need to cut your cloth by up to 75% to survive to get through the next six months. So it's about finances and we don't have the finances of this country to put football on, even if it's behind closed doors and guarantee the safety of players, officials, volunteers, managers, directors, whatever. So I hate to say it because I want football back. It's a livelihood. It's part of the fabric of the country. There mm-hmm. is a well-being aspect. But until we have some serious finance coming into our game, I don't know where it's going to come from. We're up, we're up a lump at the moment. We are a long, long way off having football mm-hmm. back at a professional level. We're a long way from it, I think. Right. Hey, just my second point, a quick point. Uh, I heard Stevie Gerrard on the radio today saying what the SPFL, they rushed it, they rushed the vote just to try and get the finish the season finished as soon as possible. I may be wrong here, but I'm sure I read somewhere that they've refused to play behind closed doors, Rangers. I th- I think yeah, we're going way back now. I think but I think you're right. Technically, I think the last time that, that Rangers officially communicated anything about closed doors was that they were against it. But like I say, I, from memory that was a long time ago and that position may well have changed but those points are, are sort of linked Jim here's the here's the issue and it's completely understandable you look at today um, Germany's Chancellor says the Bundesliga can return the second half of this month mm-hmm. um, it will be the first of Europe's top five big leagues to, to, to restart fixtures of games in the top two divisions being played behind closed doors mm-hmm. here's the problem with comparing yourselves to other leagues especially you know Germany and elsewhere first of all the virus first and foremost yeah. and secondly if it's the Bundesliga and the English Premier League we are not even on the same planet as them when it comes to finances yeah. so whilst we might be frustrated that other mm-hmm. people are getting their football back and we are not comparisons with the English Premier League and the Bundesliga are pointless yeah of course and also when listen when you ask people opinion at the very start I mean myself and Matt we all thought listen wait wait months and yeah. play the game and players don't want to play behind closed doors and clubs don't want to play behind closed doors but but as it changes if your only option is play behind closed doors believe me we had Derek McInnes on here a few weeks ago sure. saying but if that's the only option to play the game of course you get on mate so listen we've all changed opinions I've changed opinions over the last six seven weeks so you know, that, that can happen when you asked a question several weeks ago. But in terms of, as you say, how it's affected countries at different times, and, you know, you know, we hear these talk about peaks and, 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 and uh, you know, where it's been flattened or stuff. Listen, we can't, we don't really know. We're not privy to everything in, in Germany, but they don't seem to be as affected as quite as bad as, as we are. So, therefore, you know, you know obviously the, the German um, uh, authorities... And also the finance, as you say, and the football authorities believe it is safe enough to play games. Obviously, that but, yeah. you have to trust trust their their, their knowledge on that because we, we we've no no knowledge yeah, of that. But even if we say we want to bring it in behind closed doors, whether the games played behind closed doors or just played in front of fifty thousand supporters, actually makes no difference to the health and safety of the players. All you're doing is actually you're either introducing an atmosphere in the stadium mm-hmm. or you're not. But it's still 22 players and referee going going head to head on it. And unless there's a vaccine brought in, 
unless there's proper proper testing, I don't see how the game in this country can can. So how can, can, how can the Bundesliga then play, Mark? Then because well, they're, they're going to do constant testing. testing yeah. So saying down south, yeah. but even then, if you're yeah. a footballer, you have a right to say, no, I don't want to play. Yeah. I don't want to play and, yet. Yeah. And and again though, and and I appreciate we're possibly going round in circles. Mm-hmm. That's just the safety aspect. Yes. The financial yeah. aspect yeah. is they can afford to play behind closed doors, and we can't. No. Our yeah. clubs can't because yeah. we rely on people coming through the gate. But so d- even if it was safe, but to finish this season from the top league, which is the only league mm-hmm. available at this moment in time. Um, no chance It's not getting done I, I, I'm, I'm yeah. saying it's not getting done But I'm saying financially I think it could be done For those eight games But that's Again You know That listen to a huge financial yeah. input But I think it could be done For eight games Financially But I'm um, mark In the sense mm. of You know We're nowhere near the, the safety aspect At this moment in time You know But in two or three months time Who knows But at this moment in time No There's not a chance Patrick you want the final say? Uh no, that's it. This news, take care and thanks for taking my call. Thank you, man. Same Same to Patrick. you, Patrick. Uh, and, and like we, we had, was this the first significant meeting from, you know, football governance and the government mm-hmm. in Scotland yesterday, I think it was, and Neil Doncaster and Ian Maxwell getting round the table with uh, Joe Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. Professor Jason Leach, trying to, mm-hmm. to come up with uh, some sort of, of plan. And to be fair, you know, Ian Maxwell says that both the Minister and the National Clinical Director did acknowledge the importance of Football to health and well-being of the country, um, but it just comes after health and safety. Which, yeah. which, how can you really argue with that? You can't. No, no you, you can't. You know, society. We're, we're we're trying to find a way back to getting society some form of normality to get the country moving again. The the the, the priority is not getting football games on. It's putting a plan in place for people to get mm. back to work. And football is an industry. Mm. It's an occupation for people and the thousands and thousands of jobs that come. You know, surrounded by by games of football, but like I'll go back to the point, and I've totally changed much because I, I genuinely thought when we went into this lockdown forty four days, I thought mid May and it will be fine. People got a couple of weeks training, and we can be back to that. At the moment now, I'm saying genuinely, Gordon, genuinely, when's twenty 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 one going to start? Months, but like, and months and but, months away. I think. But then to contradict the point I made a minute ago, Jim. Mm-hmm. You're right, there clearly is a balance to be found And I, I want to make this very clear I think I said something similar last night We're not spitting the dummy here and saying Oh come on, we're a bit bored, give us football back mm. This is about the impact that it has on the national economy yeah. Job, you're talking about players yeah. being being unemployed mm. Clubs potentially going bust The money that football generates in the country mm. that, That's why we're talking about bringing it back Not because we're fed up yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you hear talks, you know, the rugby, football, you know, uh, they're maybe talking about, I think in English, they got, they got um, you know, fund, you yep. know, the 300 and odd million or something like that to try and 360 million or something. So because they felt it was really important. 16 to, million, I think. To, you've, you've overcooked it, but you're still right. To the community in, term, in terms of, 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 of what it brings to the country. Um, so, th- listen, there is more than just running about, kicking a ball. Um, but, listen, until we can actually walk it, the street together, <laughs> you know, without without having two meters between us, it's really difficult exactly. to look beyond that. But uh, the, the you know, for me again, there'll have to be individual sports, well, not individual sports, but um, you know, sports like golf, mm-hmm. tennis, etc. Where you're naturally apart mm-hmm. anyway. All those things will be the first steps, and then once we start seeing first steps and baby steps, then we can maybe team look. Sports. Yeah, then, then we'll look at yeah. team sports and. But team sports at this moment in time Are definitely way down the ladder Right let's speak to Alan in the Gorbals What's on your mind Alan? Hi there um, I feel a wee bit sorry for all the fans With the Rangers, Celtic And uh, the rest of the football teams 
because um, my son is a season ticket holder at Ibrox and in the last 24 hours he's been told he has to renew his ticket or he loses it uh, because he pays it up on a monthly basis. I think that's a wee bit unfair because he doesn't actually know what's going to be happening with football. He doesn't know if he's going to get, going to, get to see the game live. So I think um, the fans are going to get uh, a raw deal this year. Definitely they're not going to be sitting... 50,000 people in the uh, Ibrox or Celtic Football Park this season. That's, no. that's guaranteed. So I think they should be a wee bit honest with the fans and say, listen, this is not going to happen. Or, I mean, they know it's not going to happen. And we know it's not going to happen. So I think it's a wee bit unfair to try and get season ticket money off of people. I don't yeah, know what you think yeah, about that. that. That's one of the, one of so many challenges facing clubs, isn't it? Because they need money. But yeah, they do. But I, I agree with Alan. I mean, I think it's a bit like the the mortgage holiday. I think that the clubs could give fans a three month you know, uh, season ticket holiday. If you're on the the list and they know, say, listen, we'll give you three months to make a decision and whether because then we're a wee bit further down the line. You know, they might have an idea when the new season starts or whatever it happens to be. And then you're still going to take it, you know. So you, you you take that decision. Listen, I'll take my, my three month holiday. If if you want to pay it, you can pay it. If you feel you've got the money and you want to support your club and put the money into the fund just now to help them, then fine. But a lot of people are not in that position, but they still love their club. They've still supported their club for for years, sometimes decades, and and I think that loyalty should be rewarding. I'm not. I mean, I don't know the circumstances. Alan's talking about Rangers. I don't know if that's just a, a rigid black and white decision or not, or any other clubs have done similar. But for me, to me, have a have a three month holiday just now, and if you're in a position you want to give your money to your club, fine. If you're not, at least it gives you three months I to mean, decide Mark, whether you can afford it and 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 do it. On on one hand, it's it's, it's sort of encouraging if that's the right word. You know, loads of clubs have been reporting really encouraging season ticket sales, and you go, do you know what? How good is that? It just shows you that our fans are. Loyal You know As loyal as can be Because they don't even know What they're buying They don't even know What it's going to entitle them to But they're still parting With their hard earned cash However Not everyone can do it And then At, at what point does Do you move away from that Being sort of nice And encouraging And realise that it, it, it could be pointless Well Clubs won't want to uh, Admit Clubs Any football club Clubs in Scotland Won't want to admit If, if they are Really close Really close On the brink Financially mm-hmm. of, of being Game over You then have a decision As a football club Do Are we Fully transparent With our supporter base Now you, you take Rangers for example At the moment They would have money Starting to trickle in Which over the course Of a season is worth In between 16 and 22 million pounds To them In terms of season tickets that, That's massive And if you're not getting That cash flow coming in You've not had any gate money um, For 7 weeks Whether you're Rangers or whatever, That is a problem That's a problem For any club so there's a decision for the supporter to make Whether it's Alan's son or anybody else out there You are kind of looking upon it as a donation Very unlikely you're going to get 20 home games I might end up only getting 7 or 8 home games I might never sit in my seat at Ibrox or Parkhead or Hamden or Fur Park Until January or February next year So do I want to give my 500 quid over Because I know that could potentially save my club and keep them going or I think actually in my own position I can't do it And it's entirely down to the individual's choice There's no right or wrong answer It's whatever you can afford to do Or feel is right to do But I think there will come the time Where clubs will need to be fully transparent And disclose their financial situation To their supporters So they can actually 
I'm just going to give him my, five, my, my 500 quid because yeah, it's going to help him go over the line. Yeah, you're right, Matt. I mean, a lot of fans will do that. I think it was Aberdeen, I think I said, there'll be 5,000 seen tickets or something like that done. And, and some clubs will do that. And, you know, and, and fans will know that, listen, but, but, you know, we don't know. But in Alan's case, if he's saying that, you know, that they've, they've no idea and, you know, if his sons want to do it, you know, he feels as if he's been pushed into a corner a little bit, and I think that's what. Yeah, and it, it is a lot of money. Not everyone yeah. can afford to that's just part saying. with it. You know, you know, but some but people might save up for a long, long time to to be able to afford the season. Well, you're, paying, you're paying for something; you, you, it might never yeah. happen. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you do, you don't know. I mean, although we keep saying this month, that month, but no one mm-hmm. actually knows. I mean, they could, we could be saying this, the same thing in six months' time, and he's paid his, his, his season ticket. So, no, I think there's got to be flexibility there. And for me, I don't understand why you can't have a holiday, a holiday period of three months. Alan, is your son going to have to just bite the bullet and write off the season ticket? Do you think? I know that that would hurt, and that would be, you know, be a real sore one. But is that is that at the stage that it's at at the moment? He's not 100% sure what he wants to do. He's been told that he's got to make a decision within the next 24 hours. Um, he's at his office working at the moment, um, and he he's on a, one of those uh, the full pay things. So he's losing a thousand pound at the moment a month as it is in his own job. So he's got to find it hard to sort of pace. He, he, he wants to be a season ticket holder. He's waited all his life, and he's now only been there in the last three years. He loves his seat. He's right the centre line. And it just, it just, it, I think if Rangers, Rangers or the rest of the football teams would just come out and tell the fans that they know that in, in, in August there's not going to be 50,000 people sitting in the fan there in August. So it's, how are they going to do it? They're going to have so many people at the game one week and so many people at the following week. See, if they're honest with the fans, then at least we know where we are and they're a wee bit more up front. They know it's not going to happen and so do we. Yeah, that's the reality, Alan And thanks a lot for sharing that That's a, a difficult situation for your son Hopefully it all works out And I know loads of fans out there Will be able to relate to that So thanks a lot to Alan and the Gorbals This is a good time to get your call in 01419511025 And we could be speaking to you After the travel with Stephen Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Helping you return to action Talk to thompsons.com Jim Duffy's here Mark Guidi is alongside him And you can get in touch On the usual number We're on Twitter as well At Clyde SSB John is in Bears Den He's a Rangers fan Hi John Hello how are you doing? Not bad how are you? Are you okay? Uh, yes I'm good thank you I would like to just pla- Clarify the point That your previous caller made Sure About his son having 24 hours To decide if he wants To renew his season ticket mm-hmm. Rangers have actually extended our season ticket renewal, which is normally the first week of May. It has been extended to the 30th of June. So they've actually given us an extra seven weeks for fans due to the difficult circumstances we are in to allow them. So the individual won't lose his ticket unless Rangers aren't correct Ah, on the information they've put out on their email. But Rangers have clearly stated to everybody, the renewal closes on the 30th of June. Ah, there we go. I don't so mind. I don't mind the clarification at all. I must admit, the one thing I've never been able to do is keep up with all the different clubs' ticket policy. I, just, I can't. So I really appreciate it when fans come on and and uh, and clarify. So if, if what John and Bears Den says is true, that certainly makes the situation a bit less urgent. But ultimately, the same the same challenge might well might well yeah, present I itself mean, down, the down the line. It might it might not make that much difference. But as John has said, if it's the thirtieth of June, at least then at this moment in time, there is. Another, you know, almost two months to to, to have at least have a think about it and see mm-hmm. see where we are in two months' time. 
Um, they might have some sort of uh, idea of when the new season might start then and you can make it, and, and also whether fans are going to be allowed in and all these sort of things. But I, I guess not, but you never know. But from John's case, he's, he's um, you know, cleared that up from uh, his point of view and from Rainey's point of view. But we can only go, John, mm. by Alan. Alan's phoned in. That's what he's told us. So yeah. we, we're in no position to dispute that either, you know. John, Sorry, I'm trying to clear up for Alan. And what it also allows, and, and, and very correctly, you know, the gentleman's son and other fans, notwithstanding what Jim Duffy says, it depends if you're furloughed, not working, if you're still yeah. furloughed two months from now, if you're back at your work in that interim, hopefully you maybe have more money and disposable income. But let's be honest, that the buying of a season ticket isn't everybody's priority given they've got mortgages and the families to feed. So it is difficult and it's up to each and and every individual to have to make their own decision at that stage. Yeah, Yeah, that's the thing, John. Is that something that that you've already taken the decision or are you going to take the time between now and and the 30th of June to assess the situation a bit clearer? Uh, I'll be be honest with you. I'm in a fortunate position that the renewal of my season ticket isn't an issue to me in in terms of funding that. So I'm fortunate. I'm on an... I use an automatic renewal, so I've actually already renewed mine. Uh, and I'll just, uh, me and my son, we've sort of made up our mind that we'll deal with it this season. And if nothing happens in terms of us getting to football matches, we'll review that for the following season again. Here's hoping we're not in that problem, though. So, John, are you, I mean, in essence, you're giving that as, a, as almost a loyalty payment to your club because you don't know... If you're going to be allowed into football, if you're going to have the the amount of games or like roughly twenty home games, because um, obviously a game with the you know the possible reconstruction or these sort of things, but you have because you're a, a supporter, you know your club needs the money, and you're more you and your son are thinking, listen, okay, we're in the position we can do this for our club, and you're happy to do that because of you know the current circumstances that you find that everybody finds yourself in, but obviously Rangers will will be the same as any mm. any club will be needing the money from the season tickets. Yeah, thank you to John Bearsden. Hazel is on Twitter. Um, Linda as well. Walters, but a few others all clearing up that fact that actually it was at the 30th of June, which is absolutely fine. I've got, I've got no problem setting the record straight. I must admit, it's been the one thing I've never been able to do is keep up with all 12 or 42 clubs' uh, ticket policy. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> listen, maybe Alan misread it or something like that. Who, who knows? But they, they, listen, the, the supporters have phoned up say that it's the 30th of June, so... We've got no reason to, to dispute that at all. You do just wonder um, how creative we're going to have to get, and you know, I'm not speaking from any position of knowledge, obviously. Um, when it comes to eventually, because we don't know when that will be, but eventually getting people back in, clearly the challenge at Ibrox and, and Celtic Park is is massive because they're full every week and they've got they've got loads of season ticket holders. What does that look like? It may be a a Fir Park or a McDermott Park that does does it allow you to to get everyone in and, and genuinely just space them out and say you know everybody needs to sit four seats apart is, mm-hmm. is, is that is that is that the road we might be heading along Yeah, absolutely, absolutely is if uh, if supporters are uh, allowed in and you know the lockdown guidelines are are lifted and and you know who knows but yeah I think that's the way we're we're heading for. September, August time But you're right That's where the challenge comes for The clubs with full stadia um, you know, Particularly down south But up here Certainly Celtic and Rangers um, Hearts Hibs You know any, Anywhere where you're getting More than Half your capacity um, Presents a real uh, Problem You know 
I, I don't know how you get round it, Gordon. Uh, I really don't. But the clubs will need to to find a way. Um, but that said, I just and and I don't like saying, but I, I just think I just I, I find it hard to see supporters getting in on mass at, at, at any point this year. And let and t- I mean, it's almost as cut and dried as until the world finds a. A vaccine We're, we're, we're kind of we're, we're going to stay Kind of uh, in the, On the kind of pause button Alright thank you to John In Bears Den On that cheery note uh, Let's take us through to this Beat the pundit With the Scottish Sun For the best football news And opinion online The Scottish Sun.co.uk Slash football Time for Beat the Pundit As soon as that's finished We're going to hear from Motherwell midfielder David Turnbull What a year he's had Unfortunately for him It's been mostly off the pitch But we'll catch up with David after the news And see what he's been up to Before that they'll Beat the Pundit time 01419511025 That is the number you need You need to call before 7 o'clock To take part in tonight's Beat the Pundit Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Your comeback is on Talktothompsons.com Mark Guidi and Jim Duffy here with me Gordon Duncan On tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard We've been hearing from the likes of Stuart Reagan On the issues facing Scottish football at the moment Getting your thoughts on those issues as well Season tickets and, and when we can possibly restart things We're going to hear from Motherwell midfielder David Turnbull What a year it has been for him A lot of um, obstacles to overcome He was just getting back of course To full fitness when the lockdown started So we're going to speak to him See what he's been up to See what the future holds And before we do that Let's play this Beat the Pundit With the Scottish Sun For the best football news And opinion online Thescottishsun.co.uk Slash football And by complete coincidence Genuinely Because producer Dan's through the year And he draws it at random Jack is on the line And he's a Motherwell fan Ready to play tonight's Beat the Pundit How are you Jack? I'm not bad, how are you? Not too bad at all Are you feeling confident? I don't think you've ever been on before to play, have you? Nah, first time You just locked down, got you that bored that you thought <laughs> you would eventually try it? Nah, it's better of shambles, isn't it? Pretty much, what else can you do, right? That's fine, we'll try and get you a sign ball to boot around the living room or something Heads, you're up against Mark Guiri And tails is Jim Duffy And it is heads this week Mark Guiri taking on Jack and Wisher So, I'm going to give you something else to listen to, Mark that's good He can't hear us anymore Jack He's listening to Clyde too So 30 seconds going on the clock Just answer as many right as you can And if you don't know them Pass quickly And move on to the next one That makes sense? Yep Good man Your time starts now Who scored the winner for Celtic In the 2017 Scottish Cup final? Yeah, uh, Cal McGregor How many spells did Kenny Miller have at Rangers? Two Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Gable Endies? Who did France beat in the 2018 World Cup final? Croatia Who scored Motherwell's last competitive goal? Chris Long What is the name of our Broth Stadium? Uh, Gayfield Okay, let's bring Mark Weedy back Mark, can you hear us? Yep, go go on Same set of questions to you 30 seconds on the clock And your time starts now Who scored the winner for Celtic in the 2017 Scottish Cup final? Tom Rodgers How many spells did Kenny Miller have at Rangers? Three Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Gable Endies? Uh, a broth Who did France beat in the 2018 World Cup final? Uh, Argentina Who scored Motherwell's last competitive goal? Uh, don't know, pass What is the name of our broth stadium? Gayfield And how many German sides have won the European Cup slash Champions League? 
Two. Jack, what do you think? Nah, I think I'm beat. I think so. I think did all right. Let's find out who scored the winner for Celtic in the 2017 Scottish Cup final. It was Tom Rogic. You went Callum McGregor, Jack. That was, uh, I was, thinking that was against the one against Mother. Exactly. Just a, a year out. So it was Tom Rogic. Kenny Miller had three spells at Rangers. So it's 2 0. Mark Guidi races in front. The Gable Endies, Jim. Uh, no, Montrose Montrose, Montrose. Is Montrose. Uh, The comeback was on though Jack knew that Croatia Were the, the runners up In the 2018 yeah, World true. Cup yep. He also knew that Chris Long Scored Motherwell's Ooh. Last competitive goal I think that was at Tyne Castle uh, What is the name of Our broth stadium It's Gayfield mm-hmm. So I think we're, we're level Are we? Yeah three each mm-hmm. uh, How many German sides Have won the European Cup Slash Champions League Jack didn't get that far So you needed to take the victory You said two Bayern Munich Borussia Dortmund and Hamburg You missed the third one So we're on to the tiebreaker I said it last night I don't know if it's the heat That's getting to everybody The lockdown We've had more tiebreakers During lockdown Than in about the last Three seasons combined Aye. Honestly So here's the deal Jack I'll read the question I'll get Mark Guidi To give me his attempt uh, He'll write it down And then I'll ask you For yours okay right. Good man Right the question is this How many times Did Scott Brown Captain Scotland Mark Guidi If you could write it down Please how many times did Scott Brown captain Scotland? So Mark, I'll take you first if you just show me your bit of paper. He's taking his time, Jack. He's thinking about it long and hard. Right, Jack, what would you go? Uh, 14. Oh, it's close. Jack's gone 14. Mark Weedy's gone 17. And yeah, the, 16. The answer is 25, Jack. He's ah. done you on the tiebreaker. Hard lines. Oh, well. Hard lines, Jack. Good man, Jack. Well Thanks for playing. That was Jack in Wisher. Um, there we go take, When was the last time You went to a tiebreak I bet it's been ages Because they're quite yeah. rare But for some reason a long, I, I think I've only had one In the whole uh, Since we've been doing Beat the Pundit I think I've only had one One tiebreaker uh, It's great But I, by the way, I don't know When but I, t- I know I don't get on often Because forever It always lands in tails <laughs> But I've not lost In a long long time I was really That was determined oh, right, okay, one. Right. Uh, uh, one. Oh, The producer Andy Keeps a, a, a Very detailed A dossier You might call it Of uh, Beat the Pundit Appearances, victories, defeats I don't know if he's handed the trusty dossier over To producer Dan Or not Who's through He's just shaking his head yeah. He's clueless He doesn't know what's happening He doesn't care <laughs> Right 01419511025 That was Jack In Wisher Playing Beat the Pundit I think we might have another Wisher native On the line David Turnbull That's your neck of the woods Is it not? Well, it is, it is. Went to school with Jack Weir as well You're joking uh, One of my school pals Just on it So you're doing so, <laughs> so Jack on Beat the Pundit Went to school with you? I texted him about two minutes before he went on. I'm going to beat the pundit before you. <laughs> I think he's going to drop a ball around him. If you take a ball around, give him a ball. I think he's still on the line. What did you make of his performance? I actually I answered the same as him, but he went to a tiebreaker. I didn't hear that there. Let's see how he won, but I answered the same questions as him. Jack, he's still on the line. I forgot to hang up, to be honest. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you're still here. I hope you've got one of these stories, Jack, about how actually at school you were the better player and it just it just never happened for you. Is that the case? Oh, I, I used to play in goals, and uh, they would always say, come five yards off your line, chip you for half your line. But I knew once. Couldn't get near the shots, David, is that fair? I saved a penalty of his, I'm pretty sure. Jack's going to be telling folk in the pub that, that in 40 that years' time, isn't he? <laughs> anyway, I, I've, no, was just, I've no idea what just happened. We've got schoolmates on the phone. We didn't, that, trust me, that, that wasn't planned at all. Anyway, uh, it's good to speak to you, David, uh, on the line. We've had a number of different players from different teams across the country on. 
And the longer this goes on But the question's still the same What on earth have you been up to? Um, apart from sleeping half the day I've been going out <laughs> Walks with my mum, my dad My brother Just try to keep fit And then also get my My other clean up up Just before all of this happened I've kind of been Building my strength back up my leg And just Working hard to back to full fitness Alright ah, so I didn't actually Know that So that, there was another Another op was there come You know when when the football Wound down How, how did that go? Yeah it was I was going to get it At the end of the season Just to take my screws Out my knee Um Footballing wise This probably came At a good time for me So that I can get back fit And For all the games Starting back I'll be Back fit Ready to play But I think If I got it done In the summer I'd have had to miss a few Maybe a few weeks Pre-season or something So It's worked out well To be honest Yeah I suppose then When you look at it that way Has the The rehab though then what, what, What's that been like Because I know all the players Are trying to tick over um, And do things in their own time But I guess yours will be Quite specific about What, what you need to do to, to rehab from that op Has it been Video calls and all the rest of it uh, It's videos On the phone to me and that And sending me Kind of programmes What to do Just Gym work But I've not got much weight So that So it's kind of Body weight stuff And then just on the bike And that as well And then Hopefully run in the next few weeks Yeah so I mean David I was thinking We were talking to the guys earlier Before we came on When you you look at A year ago It was pretty much a year ago Round about this week I think Where you were named Football writer's Young player of the year um, You know Great recognition For what was a terrific season The season ends soon after Everybody knows the story And the, the, the move to Celtic That was off And the injury And all the rest of it But all of a sudden A year's gone by And I think you've you've played About 40 minutes In that time How how frustrating has that period been When you look back on it? Uh, it's mad I think it was a year ago Kind of this weekend Or a few weekends Ago But um, As you said Playing 40 minutes In that space of time It's been frustrating Obviously to start with It was hard to get my head around What happened And just get back And focused on What I was doing But After Kind of got my head around it I was just Kind of Focusing on Coming back And trying to Show everybody I'm still the same player I was And Hopefully I improve that Again Once everything starts back Yeah Did, did that take a while David Because it's, it's easy for, for fans And even for us at times To you know, once a player goes out in a long-term injury, it's, it's maybe kind of out of sight, out of mind. But you're dealing with that every single day. Not only the potentially, you know, sort of life-changing move that, that didn't happen, but then in the gym every day on your own, while your teammates are, are training. Did it? Was it tough mentally as well as physically? Yeah, mentally it was probably hard to sign. Physically, sometimes physio would physio would let me just kind of let me offer a few things if I knew I wasn't feeling right. It just let me go home or whatever But mentally It was just Obviously The boys having banter In the changing room And then down to training And you're kind of Having to go up the physio room Do your exercise And then you're stuck in the gym Maybe only myself Some days And then a few injured boys um, Waiting on them Coming back for training Kind of missing out And everything It was hard to deal with that I felt David, it's uh, Jim Duffy here. Um, first of all, you know I wish you all the best. I hope that uh, you know you get back to that level of uh, uh, with it. But the, the thing is, the one thing is that that years went so quickly. So for 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 the current situation we were in, I think that gives everybody I can almost a kind of hope in the sense that things do pass quickly, and all of a sudden, before you realise it, obviously in your situation it was a negative sense. But you, you know you you can look forward now to, to a new challenge. But from a from a Actual physical point of view I mean the, the, the mental side of it As you say is, is I think you have to get back Playing on a regular basis To truly feel You're ready 
But just at the moment, your quads, your hamstrings, your cap, all these muscle areas, particularly the quads and the hamstrings, will be so important when you've had a long term knee injury. So how are you doing that, and how is it? You know, how has that been impacted by this uh, lockdown? Well, it's when I first got my first stop, I obviously lost loads of muscle in my mm-hmm. left leg. So when I was out there before I came back and played a few minutes, it was kind of just focused on building that back up. And it was also easier in the gym or the cutting I had at first part. But now at lockdown, trying to build it up, it's just kind of body weight stuff. But I didn't, I didn't really lose as much muscle this time. So it was just like keyhole up. So it's kind of body weight stuff. We use it. The physios gave me an occlusion cuff. It just kind of tightens your leg up and works it harder. Yeah. So it's just kind of squats and single leg squats and bridging and stuff like that to try to get it strength wise. It's still maybe I lost a wee bit of muscle, but that'll come. The physio says that'll come. Yeah. Don't need to worry about the size at the moment, just about getting the strength back, which is kind of fully there. Yeah, but what about yeah. your leg though? <laughs> Behave. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Greedy, I know you're keen to speak to David as well. Yeah, hi, just to, just to echo what. what um, Jim said, David, I hope you get get back to your, your best soon enough because you, you were a brilliant young talent uh, to watch 18 months ago and uh, getting your big move. So, everything works out for you well again. Just a couple of things to change tacks slightly. Your manager, Stephen Robinson's had a terrific two or three years, been linked to one or two jobs, the most latest one being the, the Northern Ireland job. Just two questions on him. A, how good has he been with you in terms of how your career's progressed and you know, in the last 12 months when you've, been, when you've been out of the picture and B, just in general, being linked with these jobs, what particular qualities does Stephen Robinson possess? Um, well, with me, he's been brilliant ever since I kind of broke into the first team. He'd let me go out and enjoy myself really and then if I made a mistake and maybe shout him out or whatever when I was on the park, but he would always, he would always encourage me to get on the ball again, try to do other things and the same with all the other young boys, eh? When it gives one a chance, it kind of shows the young boys at Mother that they'll get a chance as well, and he's not scared to do that and throw them in. Uh, but I really enjoyed working under him last season, and obviously hoping to go into the next next season to win with him as well. And hopefully, the jobs he's getting linked to, just probably. Don't he has his own hard work because every day in the training ground he gives everything 100% shooting drills but it's small boxes he's always getting on to his boys making sure all the standards are right around the changing room the stadium boys aren't allowed to go on their phones and stuff he just likes to keep kind of team spirit and standards high which is good I think that will obviously set him good, good stead for the future Yeah this last year David is it is it now at this stage Now I know you'll be frustrated That, that you can't play And you've, you've not managed to get back In a regular game time Are you able to look back on it though And, and feel like you're going to be Stronger mentally Going forward Because you've had such a setback So early in your career I mean For instance Take us back to if uh, Sorry to sort of Reopen the, the, the memory But but The moment that you The moment that you find out That the injury is that serious And that The, the move that you thought Was going to happen hap, You know Is off what what was that moment like? Because I, I, I can imagine you probably thought it was the end of the world. Now a year on, maybe you've learned from it, and maybe you're maybe you're stronger as a result. Yeah, it started with as I said earlier. It was just trying to get my head around it. It was like horrible, really, for me and my family and stuff. Just not knowing it was there, and then getting the news. I couldn't play football for near enough a year. It was I was devastated, really. But then 
as you're saying, a year on, I can look at it. It's obviously good to get it done early at such a young age. And it's kind of... Can Do you feel like you've learned from it or maybe you can be stronger as a result? I'm stronger now because of what's happened. It made you more uh, determined to be successful. Because yeah, obviously you see... You see, boys like like your your teammate come in at almost the same time, Jack Casey, or Jake Casey going to Rangers. It's, I mean, he's still got a lot to do, but he's there. But he's not really quite managed to you know get himself into the team. Whereas somebody like yourself now might be looking at that and thinking, okay, if I do get this big move further down the line, you need to be ready, both physically, mentally, and and I, and I think you know, listen to you now, David. You've realised that you know that maybe that move at that time might just not have been the right time now. You seem a much stronger person in everything, you know. We, we, and, and I think that extra determination might might just get you that extra step quicker. Yeah, I think that's probably what's came out of it for me, that. And then just kind of never taking a day of training for granted again. Just like every day, give it 100%, 110%, work as hard as I can. Maybe one day if you can't do the world or whatever, and the gaffer's getting on in you, it's just taking the chin. It's, the best times to your life really instead of sitting about the house injured <laughs> yeah I mean um, the, the the media team at, at Fur Park David put together a, a, a documentary essentially I think it was about 45 minutes long following you about right from from injury to you know meeting the consultant and, and the rehab and all the rest of it what was it like being uh, being followed around in a sort of Netflix style oh it was weird just going to Going about my day to day business at football and stuff, and then I'd be going home in the desk or with the baby come up to the house, do a wee interview or just video, kind of wee parts of what other people don't really see. So it was a good experience doing it there. I'm also good on them because it was really good, really good watching. And for such a small media team, they do some good things for the club as well so it was good to involve them yeah it, it, you know what it, it gave fa- and I think fans of all clubs actually a, a real insight into what that process is like because it's maybe the bit that you you still don't really see and I mean you know David watching it you could you could see the emotion in your face when the when the consultant tells you you know green light you're good to go you're good to get back playing you could actually see that was an emotional moment for you did it feel emotional watching it back at the time I thought I watched it it was out with me that didn't watch the all it's not to watch some of the I remember at the time at the start something that we had done not long after it happened the first season they were trying to get out of it try hard to watch back but it's also good as well and good to show the fans that they do like what what they don't usually see what happens yeah I'll tell you what David's line's breaking up a little bit So producer Dan will just speak to him And make sure uh, and See if we can get as As clear as possible But that probably is it Jim And we, we, I think we've said it in the show Over the over the you know the period Not just David Anyone It is the bit that fans And, and other people Just, just don't see it's all, That player's injured And he's, he's out of sight And you maybe just don't realise the, the the struggle And I know mm. that, you, that you've had a lot of You know sort of Maybe even similar issues to David Over, over your career Yeah I mean, I mean The fact is that when players are in this circumstances, they do feel isolated. There's no doubt about it, you know, because the the manager has to focus on the players he's got available because ultimately he has to get still results. And you, and as much as the, the, your teammates will try and bring you in and your manager will try and bring you in, you still feel a bit detached. But you know, for, and and also 
it just shows you that you know football such a precarious profession. You know, one minute, I mean, literally seconds away from a life-changing move, and all of a sudden, not mm. just the move falls through. The fact is, you're injured and you're not be able to play. So I think that when you get back playing again, is the the only good thing about this is from David's point of view is he's so young, is he's got another fifteen years at least ahead of him, mm. and he won't he won't take any day for granted or any game for granted. He will he will give it that extra. Bit of determination Whereas maybe Beyond the plaudits he had Leading up to it He might have thought Well listen I'm just about there now That won't happen now He will be Unbelievably yeah. determined he, to, to have a fantastic career He used the word horrible mm-hmm. When he was describing it Gordon When, when you asked him I mean Jim asked him And uh, an interesting thing He said as well Not just for him For, but for his family no, You forget what, what is he A 19 year old 20, Whatever it is you think you see your mum and dad and you think, oh, my son's you know, getting the move to whatever club mm-hmm. it may be. Happens to be Celtic and not the be on end all, but it's important. You know, the, the, the increase in your, your bank balance, the change of lifestyle, all the hard work paying off and no doubt the sacrifices that his mum and dad have made over the years. They said, my God, my son, we're, we're all going to... And then, boom, that must be the impact on his parents mm-hmm. as well when that goes on. It must be a, a huge toll on the family. Yeah, I think David's still with us on the line. David, um, last night, actually, we were... Reflecting I think it was 10 years to the day Since that 6 each game At, at Fir Park One of the classics Of Scottish football uh, And we were kind of Asking fans for their own memories Am I right in saying That if you look closely enough On the TV footage Of the 6-6 game You can see a 9 year old David Turnbull Coming back for the pie stall Gutted as Hibs Rattle in their 4th of the evening Or something like that That's true aye <laughs> um, I think I was really getting I think he's beat a pie In a packet of foot passes Or something <laughs> When I went to the game <laughs> uh, my memories for that was I think it was first half to go four one Hibs I think and then yeah. me and my brother were sitting with my dad and we were wanting to go but my old coach Stuart Ogilvy the coach me under tens well, he was sitting across the stand at the other side my dad's like oh no he kind of let him see us going away early so that's how we stood <laughs> then I thought you were going to say well, well can we? I thought you were going to say Your dad said You can't let him see Eating a pie <laughs> <laughs> I think at nine, at nine year old You might you might just get away with it What's that What's that journey like David From Genuinely from You know From terraces To pitch And I ask that Without any hint of jealousy Whatsoever <laughs> what, what, I mean that You're, you're dripping with it <laughs> You know Because it's, it's one of those Sort of fairy tale Cliche things isn't it Everybody who goes As a young kid Thinks they want to go out there And, and you, you've lived that What's it like to start with it was weird It was just Because obviously I was in the stand Kind of every Every home game really All the way Since I was Nine year old Eight year old and Then last year when I started It was hard to get used to Kind of being on the park And everybody surrounding you And Just getting your bearings a wee bit And then Looking up and seeing familiar faces In the stand It's A weird feeling But it's also A dream come true As you said yeah, I know that process of kind of you know becoming your own player. That that's a long one. But who who were the guys? And I mean, at any level, it doesn't need to be you know Scotland. It could be worldwide. Who were the guys that that you tried to kind of model yourself on, if you like, when you were younger? Who were the ones that you looked up to? Can I admit, I always loved watching Messi play. He think he's the best in the world ever. But like midfielder wise, it was always your kind of Frank Lampard's, Gerrards, and we still love watching Iniesta at Barcelona as well. He was just trying to put wee comes that he used to do and stuff like that into my game, so probably there. Yeah, and I mean, the other, when you mentioned some European players there, we don't know when we'll get back, we don't if and when we'll get back, you know, a lot of obstacles. Uh, but it does seem fairly likely, I think, at the moment that, that Mother will be playing in 
in Europe in some shape or form next season. How exciting is that? How much are you looking forward to potentially showcasing your talents on that stage? Ah, it's brilliant for the club um, in Europe. I can't remember the last time. Good few years ago now, but for the club, it's a big kind of jumping standard as well, which will be good. And then also getting the fans for their away days and whatever they love. And then just showcasing against better teams and better players, it always helps you as a player as well, try to develop. Good man, David, listen, we've taken up enough of your time We'll let you get back to sleeping Or whatever it is you said you've been doing uh, During lockdown, you take care Hopefully we'll see you out in the pitch soon Good luck Good man, that was David Turnbull Motherwell midfielder, what a year it's been I think we touched on it um, We're going to take a breather But it's a good time for you to get in touch 01419511025 And we could be speaking to you next Full-time teaser up then as well The full-time teaser with scottishsun.co.uk Get all the latest football news and opinion Clyde One Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years Talk to thompsons.com Jim Duffy and Mark Guidi here with me Gordon Duncan On tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard We're about to speak to Martin Who is a Celtic fan from Motherwell We are going to get the teaser up and running Which reminds me Tomorrow is the second edition of your lockdown football quiz here on Super Scoreboard So we're here at the usual time, 6 until 8 But in the second hour, at 7 o'clock, lockdown quiz, round 2 starts DL against Wilson, DL's out for revenge He got he got a good seeing to off Mark Wilson last week So he's out for revenge And of course you can take part as well We'll broadcast it live on the show and stream it live on Facebook as well You two though have to answer this Sent in by Eric tonight Eric Duff says, can you name... 11 players that have either played in or been on the bench of a European Cup slash Champions League final. They've also played in Scotland since 1980, but not for Celtic or Rangers. So I'll run through that again. There's a bit of detail there. 11 players, they've been involved in a European Cup or Champions League final. So either they played or they were on the bench. They've also played in Scotland since 1980, but not for either Celtic or Rangers. Uh, Stevie Archibald. Yes, Barcelona 86, Aberdeen 1980. Since 1980. Yes, yeah, so they've played here since 1980. years? A couple. one, obviously, very recent one. Andy Robertson. Andy Robertson, yes. Some good names on this list, I must admit. Really good names. Any more? Do you want me to give you some thinking time? Yeah. Right, I'll do that. You can play along on Twitter. 11 players, they've played or been a sub in a European Cup Champions League final. They've also played in Scotland since 1980, but not for Celtic or Rangers. So guys like Stevie Archibald played for Barcelona um, and Aberdeen. We've got Andy Robertson played for Queen's Park, Dundee United, and played oh. in the Champions League finals with Liverpool. Victor Munoz. Good shout. He's well, gone in for one of the difficult well, ones. Team, mate. Barcelona 86 Well done Right let's speak to Martin in Motherwell Hi Martin Hi Ian how are you doing? Not bad how are you you okay? No I'm doing fine good, good, uh, good. I've just a couple of days off So that's it Back to work uh, tomorrow And whatever else that's it good. I'm glad you hope you enjoyed the weather Does that mean it's going to be raining Because you're going back to work? I hope so <laughs> I, hope <not. laughs> I work at a, a nursing home So that's it So um, So Just phoning up the, the guys uh, Jim and Mark, I would just I would ask you is would you and Ollie's would you go back to work, i.e. football players in this uh, circumstance? 
Good question, Jim. As it, as it stands today, or in well, the next as, few as it stands today, yeah. No, as it, stand, it stands today, no, Martin. I mean, uh, there is there is no way that, that anyone can guarantee that anyone can guarantee you know players' safety. safety. There's there's no way as it stands. If in two or three months' time, you know, it was, you know, um, the R, as I say, is, is, is way below zero and uh, there, there, there is more um, signs that suggest that it'd be safe. Yeah, I would go back and play. And But as, as, as you're asking me today, no, no, I don't think it's safe for any player. What makes you ask, Martin? What, you got more general thoughts about the, the direction we're I heading? Me, I think it's unbelievable how, like, how how can I put it? Uh, other fans are coming on and saying, like, uh, end the season, especially down in England as well. Like to finish the season, mm. I mean, people are dying with this. I'm like, my God, jeez, oh, I'm in a nursing home, um, working. Thank God we have not had any of that. Thank God we've not had any of that. But it only takes one person. How can you put in even? Putting it behind closed doors, it takes so many people to even attempt to do that. And then again, it takes one person to spread it to somebody else, and it's a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Yeah, yeah I mean, Mark, that, that, this is not to say it's not going to happen. It just means it's, it's hugely challenging. And of course, there would need to be some serious joined up thinking and a really, really sound plan but before we can yeah. even think about it. But just... I mean, I'm thinking back We had Crawford Allen on last night You know Head of refereeing op- operations At the Scottish FA And again it, it might be a small thing And I'm pretty sure We could overcome it But just to outline You know Small things that maybe People haven't considered He was talking about You know Referees They all usually Would, would go to the game Together You know okay. and, and then they would They would sort of yeah. Share dressing rooms And whatever And also for them They've got other jobs uh-huh. So this idea that they could be sort of tested and quarantined or whatever, how if you know if, yeah. if they've got other jobs again, I'm not saying that's the, I'm not saying that's the deal breaker, but it would just be yet another minute detail that would have to be ironed yeah. out. Yeah, just logistically, financially, all the different things that go into the pot. Like I said, and no issue because you want to get football back. We want, it, but you know we can't just bring it back because we want it back and society mm-hmm. likes it. You know, first and foremost, it's safety. Um, and I just think now the, the more and more you hear And even though we, we we seem to be actually Kind of coming out of lockdown And Boris Johnson It might be easing it And Monday Nicholas Dunstan We're going as we are And to end the month But certainly The, the death rate's coming down That said We're over 30,600 people have died today I was talking to my My nephew today Who is a doctor um, At the Royal in Glasgow He said you know, Certainly in terms of his profession they feel it's calmed down. They feel a bit better about the, the situation, but there is still a long way uh, to go and we need to be vigil and we need to be mindful of all. So that in mind, the first five weeks, Jim and I, I thought, yeah, we'll get it back, just push it through, be patient, and by June, we'll be kicking a ball mm-hmm. again and we'll be sitting at the grounds reporting on the mm-hmm. games for Super Scoreboard Saturday afternoon. No, now, I'd, I'd, I'm not even going to hazard it, but it's months, for so many reasons, Gordon, it's months and months away, in my opinion. Yeah, but uh, Mar- Martin's saying that, you know, that I understand where we stand today, but life will have to eventually start to open up. So whether it's bars, shops, restaurants, cinemas, etc., anywhere where there's groups of people, eventually, you know, Martin, we, we will have to start to, to try and get it. I mean, we don't know how long this is going to last. And when those situations appear, then then football can as well. Any mm-hmm. you know, sports in general uh, will hopefully be part of that process. But you know, there is there's there's no sign of it at the moment, and I certainly 
for me anyway, it's, it's it could be at least three, four months minimum before we can even contemplate it. I don't know if you caught. Um, did you see Steve Parrish on Sky in the last mm. couple of days? You know he's been speaking. One of the points he made that just just jumped out at me because it's maybe maybe a different way of looking at it, and this this isn't specific to football at all. He said something along the lines of, you know, we're, we're approaching a time where it's not just footballers, but everybody. Is going to have to make a choice About what level of risk They're willing to take It's a bit of a horrible thought That because You like to think that You know We're going to be told What to do And if you do that You'll be safe And if you you don't do that You, you won't be safe so, so do this You know We will look after you Sort of thing That that's. But, but we might actually be At a stage where People are, are going to have to Assess their own risk Not not recklessly I'm not suggesting That football goes on And you just hope for the best And, and let yeah. people go I'm not saying that For a second um, but, but but we might actually yeah. be that that might be something that happens where yeah, everyone has to just listen, decide. What listen, that that is absolutely the case because you know any kind of you know, situation until we get a, a you know a, a, an absolute vaccine, you know there, there's going to be an element. So whether it's just a case of saying, listen, we're going to have a a slight um, relax relaxation of the lockdown. And, you know, you can meet certain members of your family and they'll talk about bubble groups, you know, maybe up to 10 people. And it doesn't matter whether whether it's schools and, you know, different groups and all these sort of things. There is always going to be an element of risk, Gordon, because ultimately there is no cure at this moment in time. So there has to be some sort of risk. But it's, as you say, it's the, the calculated risk of when. And we're not at that stage yet to take that risk. And, and, you know, what what do we mean when we we talk about football? For us, clearly, it's the sort of the top forty two and or mostly the, the top twelve, and then that that filters down. But what about what about the game that everybody loves? I don't mean to to ruin everybody's night, but see if you think that return of the the Scottish Premiership is some way off. How far off do you think it is before you can get a game of fives with your mates, <laughs> or, or you know Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, amateur leagues, public? That's long, long ro- I think Rod Petrie the 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 president is he of this Scottish yeah, yeah. Uh you know said at the weekend that you know that stuff is potentially miles away uh, now we'll focus on like I say the top end but, but the game means a lot to people when you dig a bit deeper it, you know Gordon on, on that point for you know, my, my youngest daughter um, plays for, for East Coast Bride 12-13 right. um, year olds and uh, on that very point they've, they've got their own me group chat and the parents and one of the parents put round you know unlikely to be grassroots football and beyond in 2020 and you could just see my, my daughter, you could see her face sinking the pal because they love their, their football their exercise they're mixing with their pal all all the different things that, that, that come with it not to mention whenever they're going to get back to school so yeah we talk about the game and obviously the, the Premier League is what it's all about but but it's for every game for every man and woman boy and girl that plays football or goes to watch it or coaches it or whatever it, it's a big big loss but the other thing I've got to remember in terms of the government though they've been if you start letting fans into football, so it's right, and you're talking about five or six or so, what about um, your events? You know, your hotel events, the SEC Hydro, the 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 SEC. Mm-hmm. When did if they say, well, you're letting football put in, well, we well, all again, you're yeah. open the floodgates, so it's not just about mm. football; it's a trickle effect to that as well. Martin, you want to come back in? No, uh, listen, to the guys here, it's, I, I agree with everything they say. I, I just don't think it will happen, even till next year, definitely. I don't think it will happen to next year. Uh, even like, um, like uh, I'm a season ticket holder at Parkhead with, with my daughter and whatever else. Uh, we go on a supporters bus. So how do you how do you control that? How do you control supporters buses? 
then get into Parkhead and even sit next to each other. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, that, that, you're right, Martin. Because we we spoke earlier on, and I think we were we were sort of fast approaching a break or something at the time, and and we skimmed over, the, you know, the, some of the main talking points. We spoke about if it was a big enough ground, mm-hmm. could you just space people out? Like, you know, is is that the level we're at? But but that doesn't even begin to cover how you get people into the ground in the first place and what level of contact you're allowed yeah. to have, how you get them out at full tight. You yeah, know, Martin, Martin will tell you, I mean, he's, you're sitting, he goes with game's daughter, you're sitting there and you're sitting, somebody gets up for a, to go to the loo and they squeeze past <laughs> yeah. you and then somebody wants a drink and they squeeze past you and somebody's a bit later and they squeeze past you and they, and they fall over you and a goal, know, score. A goal score and somebody yeah. behind you who's not actually sitting next to you, you know, kind mm-hmm. of leans forward and, and get up the stairs and as you say the queues to get in and, and if you're having a two metre you know distance would take you'd have, you'd have to for a three o'clock kick off you'd have to be queuing up for 12 o'clock <laughs> right. and, and then getting out again so listen there's loads of logistics but I think when and I think is when everything settles down then we can start mm. to look at them but I, I, I don't see football being trickled into the gate um, yeah. the openings but again I'm all for solutions Not I don't mean to just keep presenting problems It's if we can be innovative enough maybe we can come up with something thank you to Martin mm-hmm. in Motherwell speaking of coming up with something you're going to need to do it on the teaser mm-hmm. 11 players who've been involved in a European Cup Champions League final so either played or on the bench uh, they've also played in Scotland since 1980 but not for Celtic or Rangers So guys like Stevie Archibald Andy Robertson Victor uh, At St Mirren Now great response to this on Twitter I must say Gabby Amato And Brian Monteith They've got the same one That, you, that you're looking for George Nine in a row El Hamed um, I wonder what team he supports uh, He's got a, He's got a good one for you as well Colin Johnson's thrown a few names in What are you going for? I, I, I think Well I'm definitely There's one if not two That, that Duff's Managed at Hearts and, and Dundee Aye, well one is uh, Jankowskis Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Brilliant, well done And one at Dundee One of the best strikers ever and I'm sure you had him at Dundee uh, Italian one, uh, No, uh, Italian Ravanelli, no Oh, Ravanelli, I did, I signed him <laughs> <laughs> I thought that Do you know what, because I'm, I'm thinking I'm starting to doubt myself <laughs> no, Ravanelli, I'm, I'm thinking Canigia, but he played for Rangers And then I'm thinking so, Ravanelli so yeah, for Fabrizio Ravanelli. Yeah. Uh, I've got one Gordon as well to add in. George Best. Yes, because it was 1980, wasn't yeah, it? He played for him. Right. I've got. Oh. You want another one? Go on then. I think it might be. The, well, I'm hoping it's the toughest one, but because I read an article about him on the uh, the Athletic last week, Pongoli. Dundee United no. on the bench for Liverpool no. against AC Milan. No, no, he's not one. So we've got Best, Archibald, Victor. Jankowskis, Ravinelli, Robertson will get the rest next. The full time teaser with Sunday's Scottish Sun free goals pull out, plus Davy Proven's frank and fearless column. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors, experienced players who know how to win. Talk to Thompson's.com. Right, we're into the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Jim Duffy and Mark Guidi are here. And they are racking their brains on this teaser It's an absolute cracker actually I really like this question from Eric And if you want to send your question and hear it on the show The address you need is fulltime at Clyde1.com So Eric says 11 players that have been involved in a European Cup Champions League final So either played or on the bench They've also played in Scotland since 1980 But not for Celtic or Rangers It's always easier when you get some examples So George Best Obviously played in one with Man United And played up here for Hibs Stevie Archibald Barcelona And Aberdeen 
Victor uh, Barcelona and St Mirren Jankowskis Porto and Hearts Ravanelli Juventus and Dundee Andy Robertson Liverpool Queen's Park Dundee yeah. United Hans Hillhouse PSV Eindhoven Aberdeen Yes Well done That's us In a moment mm. have, have, have we got one to get That's quite far back We can back to You've got The George Best thing um, His uh, it's, it's not similar to George Best Because he won his or he played in his European Cup finals mid eighties. You know, obviously George Best played in his in the sixties. Alan Hansen. No, but now you're not far off. Stevie Nichol. Steve, yes. Stevie Nichol. Played for Air in nineteen eighty. I mean, am I right in saying so? I'm looking through this. I wonder would Ravenelli be the only one on this list that scored in a final? I think maybe he has And you signed mm. A Champions League final Goal and, scorer And he scored a hat-trick Against Clyde In the, 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 the cup I, think I forgot about that one so There you go that, I'm sure that's a highlight Of his career <laughs> I think he still talks about it To I this day does, What was that like That whole time And, and, and him in particular Very surreal You know what I mean Because uh, it was um, It was just a kind of You know A, a weird and wonderful And, and, and a kind of As I said A surreal time Because Giovanni Di Stefano was, the, was yeah. the, the director that said that you know he would facilitate it, should we say, he would finance it. And it was him, it was Fabrizio Veravanelli and Craig Burley. And they wanted big names. I mean, we tried to get Gaza at that time, and unfortunately, Gaza's circumstances didn't allow him to, to get playing at that time. And he, he, he wanted to keep wanting a big name. And, mm-hmm. I, and I've, I've told the story before, and it is true, but he, he asked me to go and sign Edgar Davids who was actually playing for Juventus at that time and was one of the top players in the world and was on about 90 grand a week. And he said to me, go and speak, go. I'm, go- I'm organising for you to go over to, to Turin and meet Edgar and convince him to come to Dundee. And I, Sorry, fans of Dundee, if you're listening. And I used to always joke and say, yeah, I would go over and say to him, listen, we're playing Brecon in the Forfisher Cup tie at Glebe Park. You know, <laughs> I know you. I know you've got, got a cracking hedge. To be fair, yeah. As I said, it's a beautiful hedge and lovely surroundings. How do you fancy it? You know, sort of thing. And we train Tuesdays and Thursdays at Caird Park in the Michelin Factory. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that, that was true. But anyway, so we tried. He, he suggested was to get a superstar player. And listen, eventually they did get a superstar yeah, player. Yeah. And, and Ravenelli was a superstar, and Craig Burley was a phenomenal player, um, international you know, player of the year, Celtic yeah. and stuff like that. But I mean, it was just it was just fantasy because they couldn't afford they couldn't they didn't have any money and ultimately it just not not that long after them coming um, the the whole thing just tipped tipped over and almost almost uh, the the club was bust. No, I'm not saying it was all down to him, um, Giovanni Severo, but he he was just a, a, that little straw that broke yeah. the camel's back, so to speak. And I take it that the, does the recruitment process look different then, or the scouting process? Is that name put to you? Because he, he, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're not sitting there. You know, at a starting yeah. point, going right. I need a new striker. What about Ravanelli? You yeah. know, you're not not thinking then along those lines, surely. No, of course not. Um, you know, I mean, he, as I said, he wanted a a big name player, Marquis, so as they yeah, always say. Yeah, yeah. So he wanted that to to draw attention to the club and you know show that he was a guy that was going to take Dundee forward. So therefore, this is the type of player that I can encourage or and, and to get to the club. So initially, as I said, it was Gaza, and then Edgar Davids, and then the the name. Ravenel, but he was Italian, so obviously he had the Italian contacts yeah. with different people, different news agent, and all these sort of things. So that whole thing processed from there. Um, yeah, so it was very, very, very strange indeed. And then you're thinking he's never going to sign here, but he did. To be fair, he came over, he signed, and as the true professional he was, 
I mean, it was just, I think, for, for all the young players at that time, like to Gavin Ray and Max Smith and all these kind of younger guys who were there at that time, it must have been absolutely brilliant for them. Mm-hmm. You would never imagine a Champions League winner or player to come and play for Dundee. But they were listening, they had Canigia. You know, yeah, that's and, uh, true, yep. You know, they had, once I had Caballero, was a million pound player and that kind of stuff, Jordi and Mzadze and that stuff. So at that time... It was, a, it was a fruitful time on the pitch But a hard time off the pitch Let's squeeze in one more Alistair Is a Rangers fan on the line Hi Alistair uh, Good evening Gordon Good evening Dolphin Good evening Squeegee Hi Alistair Hi, Hi. Alistair. Can I make a wee point Just before I start Gordon I'm a wee bit disappointed The phone is back here Because I've gone to miss If Jeff's really did In Coronation Street <laughs> oh, Listen you'll barely record it Alistair and they'll be, But they'll be running out Of episodes soon So you're right Aye. You better save her Every Aye. last minute Aye. Anyway It's regarding the season ticket a fair, shall we call it, at Ibrox. My nephew and myself sat together. He got an email last Thursday, uh, Friday, I beg your pardon. He's a paymaster, although I pay him back. It's paid through his bank account. But I phoned him up after I'd actually spoke to Dan in the phone. He's not heard nothing back. And it's the 29th of May that we have to start our payments. But it's the way they're treating us. Jim says they should have more have a wee bit more flexibility. And... But for all we're getting back for last season, when we've no seen three games, we don't know when we're starting yet. They're out of order, and I'm strongly against it on principle because I've supported them through thick and thin. Been I see maybe three different spells of the season ticket from the 70s into the 80s, '91 to about '97, and but been consistent since 2001, and yet I couldn't get a ticket for that League Cup final last year because Mr King promised the new ones that came on that bought into Gerard being appointed the manager he said we'll put you onto the continuous credit card list and I was meant to be limited at a certain so everything's wrong down there no matter what and he, that's crisis the most thing is important thing I beg your pardon is people's lives but at the same mm. time as Jim says they should be showing a bit more flexibility well I, I always find this difficult we're, we're the sort of third party feel like. yeah. I can't speak on behalf of the Rangers ticket office however the previous caller and lots of tweets came in to say that there was an extended deadline what was it the 30th June of June yeah. um, so Alistair if that communication hasn't reached you yet or, or if you believe that not to be the case I, I can't really offer you I, I'll try and find out as well by all means but I think that's something you need to take up uh, with the ticket office with regards to you know clubs shouldn't be doing it and, and they're they're treating us this way you know Alistair's quite angry about it which is fine it's a difficult one isn't it because at the same they're not they're not making you and I, I get that you, there's that sort of emotional blackmail yeah. if you like because you think well I've always been a season ticket holder and I have to mm-hmm. um but basically everyone's looking for a bit of compromise Everyone's looking for a bit of help off each other And clubs are looking for a donation essentially If, if you can afford that And you you know, you might be working You might can afford it And you, you want to do it That's entirely your choice to make If you can't But you've been a loyal supporter For maybe As, as Alistair says Maybe maybe 10, 20 years in a row Or whatever it be That's when I think that clubs have got to be Have, have a little bit of compassion for them Say yeah. listen we understand it but you know this moment in time is such a difficult time. And he said he's only maybe had three quarters of a season, so you've already lost yeah. a quarter of a season that the, the you know you might not get back. And then you're asking to you know give again. And I'm not just talking about Rangers, but all clubs mm-hmm. at this moment in time, you know, have a little bit of a thought for for the situation and the circumstances that fans may find themselves in. If you can afford it and you want to buy your scene tickets, you're 100 entitled to do that. But if you can't, but you want to, but you need a little bit of Breathing space Then I think clubs Should be Should be giving them that Mark 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you pay for a season ticket just now, you you are essentially making a donation because you don't know what you're buying. You don't know what you're getting for your money. Mm. You've got an idea, but you don't know how many times you're going to be able to go and see your club. So, listen, it comes down to personal choice. In an ideal world, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Alistair and, and every football fan out there would, would go and get their season ticket and give their money over and, and, and see what happens. But if you're not in a financial position to do so, it, it's really unfortunate. But... But again, that's I think that the clubs would need to be more transparent and actually lay it on the line to, to how important is your season ticket money to us. And I think for every club, yeah. it's going to be absolutely vital. It could be the difference mm-hmm. between staying alive and mm-hmm. going bust. It essentially could be. Yeah, Pietro Pietro is on Twitter. He's, he's making the point that Dunfermline have raised fifty grand over six weeks, just you know via donations. They're actually calling them donations, if you like, yeah. rather than. Um, you know sort of season ticket sales but uh, Alistair we'll leave it there for two reasons we're running out of time and you better get back uh, to the Rovers return so we'll, we'll let you head <laughs> off down Coronation Street so, like to, like to, we like to know our place we're obviously not as entertaining as, as they <laughs> must be Betty's hot pot uh, that's alright um, Dees has been on Twitter with a cracker uh, that you're still waiting for I, I think I've got another one I've on got, tonight's I I've Twitter well. Aye. maybe the same one maybe. who have you got <laughs> Frank Sozzi well done That's the one Probably. I was I hinted at During the break Wait, to you so I wouldn't have got that yep, Frank Sozzi Marcy And Hibbs. It's not the one that Dees I think sent. I've got what, I might be wrong But I think St Mirren and Man United no. Eric Jemba Jemba No No no, no. Des Bremner No What's What's the thinking With Des Bremner Aston Villa, Villa. Right so, so Stay there then You're warm Ken McNaughton No Keep going Still warm uh, who's the other third Scottish? Played for Alan, Com- Evans. Alan Evans. No, no. <laughs> played for Kilmarnock in 1990 and oh. that that Villa team in the 80s. Tony Morley, Gary Shaw, Gary Shaw, Gary Shaw. Yep. yep, Gary Shaw. Well done. Which means you've got one more. I get. I mean, what a what a player. Eremenko. No, you've just probably forgotten about his spell up here. That's that's what I mean. There's no doubt you've heard about this guy. I'll give you the European team first. I right, give us a European Marseille, team. Marseille, but he's British. Chris Waddle, Falkirk. Yes, yeah. Chris Waddle, Falkirk. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. I liked that. That, that was, was good, wasn't good. it? I yeah. That one, yeah. Thank you to Eric for sending right it in. Yeah, he did well. <laughs> Full time at Clyde1.com if you want to hear your question on the show in the future. Thank you to Jim Duffy and Mark Guidi for joining us on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. At 6 o'clock Now remember Tomorrow is the second edition Of our lockdown football quiz So we want as many of you To get involved as possible Get all your pals involved Play against each other Do whatever you want to do We'll be here on the show 7 to 8 With the quiz And also live streaming it On Facebook as well uh, There were a few dodgy gestures Flying about Between DL and Wilson last week The compliance officer Would have not been impressed uh, So I'll keep them on a shorter leash tomorrow That's from 6 o'clock And in the meantime Callum Gallagher is up next Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Helping you return to action Talk to Thompson's.com